Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. It's always a big pleasure whenever I have the opportunity to share from God's Word in the morning. And uh, last night, uh, I got a little scared because uh, we were having, just after dinner, Candace said to me, uh, oh, it's going to be great. Be, Craig McDonald's going to be here. So my, my, my former homiletics professor is here. Hi, hi, Professor McDonald. <laughs> but he's a friend too, and that makes it easy. Uh, so I included in your uh, in your bulletin there are some sermon notes for you to look at, and I feel a need, especially now, as I've said that uh, my homiletics professor is here to let you know that those are not the four points of my sermon. What are you praying for? What are you praying for? What are you praying for? And what are you praying for? They are, however, the title of my sermon, what are you praying for? Depending on who you ask, I've looked at a number of different surveys, but generally about four out of five of those who were surveyed in the United States and in Great Britain believe in the power of prayer. And if you look at the, the survey, you see that the four out of five believe in the power of prayer, but less than half of them believe in God, of those who believe in prayer. It doesn't, doesn't make sense to me there. Uh, the power of prayer specifically, they believe, in for healing and for health. Um, there's not a lot of opposition to someone going into the hospital when they're in the hospital for surgery to ask for prayer, even though they themselves may not be a believer in God or a follower of Jesus Christ. So, there is definitely uh, an idea that prayer has power. Uh, and we believe as Christians that prayer has power. And, and I'd like to suggest, too, one of the items that we haven't prayed for this morning that we really need to be in prayer for the weeks, the months that are upcoming are the people of Nepal and what has happened there. Uh, just before I came into the sanctuary this morning, I did another check online, and the death toll is now at over 2,500 people, and they're expecting it to go up there were more aftershocks this morning, which continued to have raised the death toll. So let's be in prayer for the people of Nepal. I know that, uh, I know, I believe strongly in the power of prayer. I was a recipient of the power of prayer before I was a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. I, I learned about the power of prayer actually from my wife. Her mom and dad had her and prayed with her for me while she was growing up. And I remember a story she told me soon after we got married and as we were getting to know each other more deeply and sharing our lives and where we were from, I remember her specific, this just always stood out to me. I don't, I don't know if you remember this, honey, but I remember you saying to me that um, I remember praying for you one day when I was driving in my car. This is before she knew me. And I was out with, and at the time she was out with her then boyfriend, and she said she felt this overwhelming feeling that she needed to pray for her husband. And she thought, this is odd because I, is it Dan? 
So she prayed for me. And as we put our notes together about the time of that occurred, we learned together that that was a point in my life in which I was facing some of the deepest and darkest times of my life. Um, Life-threatening. I mean, right down to the, to the week, the moment, my wife was led to pray for me. So I believe, I'm a strong believer in the power of prayer. Uh, other believers who, there we go, other believers have say this about prayer, talking to men for God is a great thing, but talking to God for men is a, still greater, is greater still, Ian Bounds. Work as if everything depended on you, and pray as if everything depended on God. D.L. Moody. Prayer is an effort of will. Oswald Chambers. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. The Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 4. That word devote means to persist in adherence to something, to be intently engaged in, to attend to it constantly and to persevere with unremitting continuance. Continuance, pardon me. Continuance. God loves our prayers. He wants us to be devoted to praying to Him. He loves our prayers so much that in, in Revelation 5.8, if you were to look there, you would see that around the throne of God in heaven, He keeps our prayers in golden bowls. They are sweet to Him. He loves them. He covets them. And so as we continue our study on our spiritual disciplines, uh, I'm reminded that our life group has been looking at life patterns and somewhat akin to our spiritual disciplines. We were looking at the following, and so I'm going to share that with you today. We called it our breathing patterns. How do we pray with the Spirit within us? So, In order to know what to pray for, we need to know what it is to pray. And the Bible shows us what prayer is. If we read from 1 Timothy, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. We see in this passage right here that I've put up four words that have been used in the New Testament to describe prayer. Four prayer words. We have requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving. That's how they're translated in our English. So we're going to look at those four different prayer words so we can understand what it is to pray. First of all, the first one, requests. That word is deomai. Deomai means to be in want, to need, to entreaty, to request, or petition. It's got a connotation to it, really, of begging So Paul is telling Timothy to share with the Ephesian church that they need to be begging, to be going before God with begging. Um, In our youth group, when we pray at the end of the night, we circle up and we hold hands and we circle up and we pray. We go through prayer requests. And as we share prayer requests, I I, I tell you that the the prayers for the teenagers are no different than the prayers that I've been with the adults in the congregation they're legitimate and they're good and they're righteous prayer requests. But sometimes I think we, we miss that God is asking us to truly come before Him begging. Because God is going to move is, and is moved by our prayers. 
He's moved by our hearts. This word used throughout the New Testament has, uh, is used in different ways. Um, miscellaneous ways it's been used is that Paul begs God that he could go and visit the church in Rome, as he says in Romans 1. In 1 Thessalonians 3, he, he's begging God that he can see their spiritual growth added. In Luke 21, the prayer that Jesus suggests that they should be praying the Jews that they would escape the tribulation to beg for these things. There's also forgiveness. Peter tells Simon the sorcerer to beg for forgiveness in Acts 8. Paul tells the Corinthian church they should beg for forgiveness and repentance in 2 Corinthians. In the Gospels, in Luke, people beg Jesus for healing. Deomai. What stands out to me the most here is that the numbers start to increase when the begging is for another type of prayer, another item. In spiritual revelation, the Ethiopian eunuch begs to, to have revelation of God's word. In Galatians 4.12, Paul begs that the Galatians will grow in their spiritual walk. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. Starting at verse 9, Paul says, And this is my prayer. This is my begging, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. I like Paul's suggestion there that we need to be begging God for our own selves to grow more spiritually to grow stronger spiritually, so that we can know God's love more deeply, so that we can abound in the knowledge of that love. I love that, that word abound is, is like the, uh, the um, Thanksgiving dinner uh, when you sit at the table and you feed yourself until you can't move any longer and then you loosen your belt and you have some pie. That your, our love would be that kind of infilling, that we would abound in it, in knowledge, to know God's Word and to know how much He loves us and to grow abounding in our depth of insights that we can use our spiritual knowledge. Evangelism is another thing that we see begged for in the Gospels and in the Epistles. Jesus begs for workers for the harvest in Matthew and in Luke. In Acts 4.31, the, the believers at Pentecost are begging for revival among Israel. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul begs that they would be reconciled to God. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, just a page over. We need to remember here, as Paul is sharing his words on prayer, it comes right at the end of his discussion with us on spiritual warfare and the armor of God. He's reminding us that everything is that we we're doing, we're, in, we're involved in spiritual warfare. We're in a battle. And so Paul's request at verse 18 is this, and pray and beg, and beg in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. 19, 
Beg also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Beg that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So my question in light of the verse that we just looked at, or the the word that we just looked at, is what are you praying for? What are you begging God for? And I've provided you a piece of paper. You should write something down. This is going to be your prayer list for the rest of the week. Our second word that we're going to look at here is, uh, gives us a connotation of standing before God. It's our word prosuke or prosukomai. It's defined this way. To pray to God, supplicate, worship, make prayer, ask. It's prayer where we enter into the... Pro- into Okay, it's prayer where we enter into the presence of God to make our requests known directly to Him. Our attention is drawn to the person to whom we are praying more than the request that we're making. Praying to God gets our minds and our attention directed toward Him. It's entering into His holy presence, the very act of it being of conscious importance and the words and requests being secondary. This is the idea that we stand before a holy God as we speak to Him. This prosukamai or prosuke word is used the most for prayer all throughout the New Testament. If you turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.16, we'll see it being used here by Paul as he says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Prosukamai continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We are supposed to be praying all the time, nonstop. Um, when we talk about this in youth group, it's, 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 we certainly can't walk around with your eyes closed and your head's bowed at all times. But this is the concept of having a conversation with God, an active living conversation with God all the time. Because he always knows what's going on about us. He's always thinking about you. If he stopped thinking about you, you would, you would have ceased to ever have existed. So God always, always has you on his mind. Uh, recently, I bought a, I got, I got one of these things. It's a Fitbit. It, it tells me how fit I am. Well, it doesn't really, but what it does is it's constantly counting my steps. It tells me when I've reached goals. It's always paying attention to me and my activeness. If you had a spiritual Fitbit and you were able to put that on and wear it, see, mine vibrates when I've reached a goal of, I don't know what it is, 6,000 steps, I think, when I've taken 6,000. Dan's back there going like this. It's 10. Well, I have lower goals than you do, Dan. I would... (laughs) I set my bar lower. <laughs> um, this thing will vibrate and go off and let me know I've accomplished them. What kind of spiritual goals would, do you think that you should set with God if you had a spiritual Fitbit and could walk around being in constant communication with Him? Paul tells us that we are to be talking to Jesus in everything. And here's an example. 
Let me give you an example. I thought about this uh, a couple weeks ago when we looked at this with the senior high. Um, I love driving. I don't like driving on I-5 in rush hour. Um, maybe, probably, you're just like me. You're the only one who actually knows how to drive on I-5 during rush hour. And I recognize that my attitude started to pick up a little bit of something that would say would not be appropriate as I drove on I-5. And I remembered the words that I had just spoken in youth group about pray without ceasing. And my attitude became this. How about, instead of saying, boy, that guy really doesn't know what he's doing, becomes, goodness, Lord, what a challenge you've given to me as I drive on I-5. <laughs> that guy almost hit me. Thank you, Father, for protecting me from what could have been a very serious accident. If my attitude shifts, and we'll get to that a little later, and my conversation with God all the time becomes of keeping Him in the loop, I'll find things are going to change in my life. My vocabulary may change. My attitude may change. The circumstances I put myself into may change as I include Him into my everyday conversation. And so Paul is, is telling the Thessalonians, he's telling us to engage in conversation with God at all times. Now, if you were to do that this week, do you think that your Fitbit, spiritual Fitbit goal would be 100%? Oh, I don't know if you could do it. I know I couldn't. 50? 30? 10? Start small. Some people have, I've seen, you've seen them with the stop a bad habit. Well, how about starting a good one with a rubber band? Twang, twang. We're to grow in our relationship with God by keeping in constant communication with Him. And we're also to wrestle with God. The word used here is entuxis. And it's only used twice in the entire New Testament. Both of those are in 1 Timothy. But the root word for this can be found in Romans. It's the idea, which we'll, we'll go there in just a second. The idea of entuxis is to have a meeting with, to converse, to address, to intercede. So when we stand in the presence of God, prosukamai, we're to engage with Him in a meeting. We're to have a conversation, a discussion. The root word conveys lodging of a complaint. Now, wrap your head around that for a second. That we're being invited to the presence of God to lodge a complaint. Romans chapter 11. Go there now. Romans 11, we look at it at verse 2. We'll start at verse 2. Paul writes, God did not reject His people, 
whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? About how he appealed to God against Israel. Appealed to God against Israel. He brought his, in, his there's the root word, his complaint. Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. Am I the only one left? Or I am the only one left and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. See, Elijah went to God to complain. Well, no, I take that back. Elijah went to God to lament. Because there's a difference between a complaint and a lament. I complain about the drivers on I-5. But I can lament about the bad conditions on I-5 that are slowing me down from getting to where I want to be. Are you a complainer or a lamenter? When I have to ask myself that question and I look in the mirror, I realized I'm a complainer far more than a lamenter. And God is calling me to lament and stand in front of him and share the things of my heart that I feel are injustice, but not complain. Don't complain about anything we read in Philippians. So, we do see, though, that when Intuxus is paired with our next prayer word that we'll look at in just a moment, it approaches a meaning of prayer with thanksgiving. So, so lament with joy because you stand before the one who's invited you to hear your prayers. So, what are you praying for? Prayer is also thanksgiving. It's joy. It's a right attitude. The next word that we're going to look at is Eucharistia. It is having to have great to have gratitude, thanks, thankfulness, a grateful heart, to be mindful of one's blessings and of one's benefits. Pair that with Philippians 2.14, to do everything without complaining or arguing so that we may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault on a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine, in which we shine, like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Attitude is extremely important. Paul's attitude as he prays for the, the churches under his charge. In Romans 1, first, I thank God through Christ Jesus for all that you do because your faith is re being reported all over the world. To the Corinthian church, I always thank God for you because of the, his grace given you in Christ Jesus. To the Ephesian church, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Thanksgiving is such a central theme to Paul's prayers. 
and it's to be part of ours. In Philippians chapter 1, just turn over to Philippians chapter 1. Paul continues his thankfulness by saying to them, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul's attitude there in Philippians, in the beginning of Philippians, is just joy for who they are, joy for who they desire to become. Joy that God is constantly in work in us. Joy that we are a work in progress. Have you stumbled and fallen lately? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when we face trials and tribulations. Rise up. The Holy Spirit is right here with you to take your hand and walk with you. We're a work in progress. Turn over a couple pages to Philippians 4. Verse, starting at verse 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. This is the guy, remember, who was telling us that we stand in the presence of God at all times when we pray to him. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. We just got another dose of three prayer words, by the way. With prayer, petition. So we got prosukamai. We got deomai. And now, Eucharistia. With thanksgiving. Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Attitude can become everything. We can look at the worst in a situation and overcome it by seeing the best that God is with us and for us and behind us and moving us. Chuck Swindoll, now I've brought up Chuck Swindoll with the youth and showing that I'm aging too. Chuck Swindoll was influential in my early walk as I listened to his radio show. Chuck Swindoll is one of the greatest preachers of all time. And he said this, the longer I love, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude, to me, is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company. It'll make or break a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced, Swindoll says, that 10% that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. With thanksgiving and joy, what are you praying for? Please be seated. I, 
<laughs> That's okay. Um, why don't you go ahead and be seated? I'll go with that. I'll run with you on that one. Paul says to Timothy, chapter 2, I urge then, first of all, that all requ- that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and for those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Paul's asking that we, we make requests to God. Paul's asking that we be in conversation with God in all things. Paul is asking that we bring our lamentations to God. Paul is asking that we come before God with thanksgiving and joy. And in the context that he shared that with Timothy for the Ephesian church, it's about the rulers, it's about our government, it's about the people above us, it's about the difficulties in this world. One commentator suggested quite possibly that even though the four prayer words are all in that passage, it might not be about prayer at all. It might be about the attitudes of the believers in Ephesus. The suggestion from the earlier context of chapter 1 being that they had lost their heart for those who didn't know the Lord. That they had become so focused on themselves that they had lost touch with an unsaved world. What are you praying for? Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us, and we thank you for this time that we can come together and open your word. And Lord, I just pray that it does all the speaking, that it moves our hearts, that you guide our feet, guide our conversations. Let us feel your invitation to speak with you at all times. Let our words be seasoned with your grace. Let our hearts be softened by your heart. Let our love grow and abound because you first loved us. Let our knowledge not just fill our heads, but fill our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for all that you bless us with. We praise you. We adore you. We thank you. We petition you. Request these things of you as we converse with you. And we thank you for that privilege as well. In your son's name, amen. You are dismissed.